Salutations, thriller and horror devotees. I am Melisette, your ardent hostess. On this podcast, I'll be reading stories, and each episode will be a chapter from a classic or a contemporary work. Sometimes I'll have special previews, science fiction, horror, thrillers. Uh, yeah, those are my specialties. When one book is complete, we will move on to another. It will be a pleasure if you accompany me through tales from the timeless past or maybe the dystopian future. Either way, let the ceremony commence. Hey baby, Captain Windbreaker here, bringing you another amazing tale of the 80s. Except today, I'm not bringing you an amazing tale from the 80s. We're talking about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. That's right, I have the great honor of being invited on the show to hear on A Frightful Fret, and I'm going to be reading chapter 13 from the amazing book. I guess we're going to have a good time, so sit back, open up some Michelob, maybe some champagne, and let's just have a smooth ride, a little bit of a horror story. Now, you might not know me, but I'm on Instagram, uh, Captain Windbreaker, and I tell amazing tales from the 80s. And some of these stories are almost unbelievable, but trust me, they're true. Why would I lie? I'd be wasting everybody's time. So today, one thing we're not doing is wasting time. But I do have a little story of back in the day. Back in the day, I was dating Jan Smithers. She was on WKRP, and we have been dating for a little while. Now, I was also good friends with Elvira, the mistress of the dark. So, Elvira, Elvira invited us over to her Halloween party down in Malibu. She was having a party down at her pool house. We showed up and had a good time, drinking Michelob and champagne, me, Jan, and Elvira, just partying it up. I didn't come dressed up. I didn't dress up for the party. I should have. But she said you should have dressed up like, like Frankenstein, like Dr. Frankenstein. Because he was, he was always a man in charge. He knew what was going on. He was a guy of experiments and having fun in science. And that's just like me. I'm all about true stuff and happening and having a good time. So you know what? That reminded me that maybe I should read Frankenstein. So I said, I'm going to read a book for you. I'm going to read chapter 13. What an amazing tale it's going to be. Just like Elvira told me back in the day. Frankenstein is the book. So here we go. Chapter 13 coming up. Sit back, open yourself a Michelob and a little bit of champagne, and get ready for a smooth horror ride. An amazing tale, a scary tale. Almost too good to be true. My daddy's podcast is called Hyphenation. It's the world's greatest podcast. Barack Obama proof. On Hyphenation, my daddy talks about all kinds of cool things. And sometimes I'm on the podcast too. Sometimes he has his friend Marcus on. Sometimes he stays up really late and he's tired the next day. But it's worth it. But he loves his podcast and I love his podcast. So I really want you to listen to Hyphenation. So daddy doesn't get sad. He really doesn't get sad though because he has me. Alright, please listen to Hyphenation. Thanks y'all. Chapter 13. I now hasten to the more moving part of my story. I shall relate events that impressed me with feelings which, from what I had been, and have made me what I am. Spring advanced rapidly. The weather became fine and the skies cloudless. It surprised me that what before was desert and gloomy should now bloom with the most beautiful flower and verdure. My senses were gratified and refreshed by a thousand scents of delight and a thousand sights of beauty. 
It was one of these days when my cottagers periodically rested from labor, and the old man played on his guitar, and the children listened to him. That I observed the countenance of Felix was melancholy beyond expression. He sighed frequently, and once his father paused in his music, and I conjured by this manner that he inquired the cause of his son's sorrow. Felix replied in a cheerful accent, and the old man was recommencing his music when someone tapped at the door. It was a lady on horseback, accompanied by a country man as a guide. The lady was dressed in dark suit and covered with a thick black veil. Agatha asked a question to which the stranger only replied by pronouncing in a sweet accent the name of Felix. Her voice was musical, but unlike that of either of, her, of my friends. On hearing this word, Felix came up hastily to the lady who, when she saw him, threw up her veil and beheld a countenance of angelic beauty and expression. Her hair of shining raven black, it curiously braided. Her eyes were dark but gentle. Although animated, her features of a regular proportion and her complexion wondrously fair, each cheek tinged with a lovely pink. Felix seemed ravished with delight when he saw her. Every trait of sorrow vanished from his face, and it instantly expressed a degree of ecstatic joy, of which I could hardly have believed it capable. His eyes sparkled as his cheek flushed with pleasure, and at that moment I thought of him as beautiful as a stranger. She appeared affected by different feelings. Wiping a few tears from her lovely eyes, she held out her hand to Felix, who kissed it rapturously, and he called her, as well as I could distinguish, his sweet Arabian. She did not appear to understand him, but smiled. Her assistance to her to dismount. He, he assisted her to dismount, and dismissing her guide, conducted her into the cottage. Some conversation took place between him and his father, and the young stranger knelt at the old man's feet, and would have kissed his hand, but he raised her and embraced her affectionately. I soon perceived that although the stranger uttered articulate sounds and appears to have a language of her own, she was neither understood by nor herself or understood the cottagers. They made many signs which I did not comprehend, but I saw that her presence diffused gladness throughout the cottage, dispelling their sorrow as the sun dissipates the morning mist. Felix seemed particularly happy and with smiles of delight welcomed his Arabian. Agatha the ever-gentle Agatha, kissed the hands of the lovely strangers, pointing to her brother made signs which appeared to me to mean that he had been sorrowful, sorrowful until she came. Some hours passed thus, while they, by their countenance, expressed joy, the cause of which I did not comprehend. Presently I found that by the frequent recurrence of some sound which the stranger repeated after them, and she was endeavor, endeavoring to their language and the idea instantly occurred to me that I should make use of some of the same instructions to the same end. The stranger, the stranger learned about 20 words at the first lesson. Most of them, indeed, were those which I had before understood, but I had profited by the others. As night came on, Agatha and the Arabian retired early, and when they separated, Felix kissed the hand of the stranger and said, Good night, sweet Safi. He sat up, much longer, conversing with his father, and by the frequent repetition of her name, I conjured that their lovely guest was the subject of their conversation. I ard ardently desired to understand them, and bent every faculty towards that purpose, but found it utterly impossible. The next morning, Felix went out for his work, 
and after the usual occupations of Agatha were finished, the Arabian sat at the feet of the old man, and taking his guitar, played some airs so that entrancely beautiful as they that they at once drew tears of sorrow and delight from my eyes. She sang, and her voice flowed with a rich cadence, swelling or dying away like the nightingale of the woods. When she had finished, she gave the guitar to Agatha, who at first declined it. She played a, played a simple air, and her voice accompanied it in a sweet accent. But unlike the wondrous strain of the strangers, the old man appeared enraptured and said words which Agatha endeavored to explain to Safi, and by which he appeared to wish to express that she bestowed on to him the greatest delights by her music. Days now passed as peacefully as before, with the sole alteration that joy had taken place of sadness in the countenance of my friends. Safi was always as gay and happy. She and I improved rapidly in the knowledge of language, so that in two months I began to, I began to comprehend most of the words uttered by my protectors. In the meanwhile, also, the black ground was covered with herbage, and the green banks intersped, intersped with innumerable flowers, sweet to the scent in the eyes, stars of pale radiance among the moonlight woods. The sun became warmer, the nights clear and balmy, and by my nocturnal rambles were an extreme pleasure to me, although they were considerably shortened by the late setting and early rising of the sun, for I never ventured abroad during daylight. Fearful of meeting the same treatment I had formerly endured in the first village I had entered. My days were spent in close attention, that I more might, more speedily, master the language, and I may boast that I improved more rapidly than the Arabian, who understood very little and conversed in broken accents, which I comprehended and could imitate most of every word that was spoken. While I improved in speech, I also learned the science of letters, and it was taught to the stranger and this opened before me a wide field of wonder and delight. The book, the book from which Felix instructed Safi was Volney's Ruin of Empires. I should not have understood the purport of the book, and not had not Felix in reading it given me given very minute explanations. He had chosen this work, he said, because the declamatory style was framed in imitation of the Eastern authors. Through this work, I obtained a cursory knowledge of history and a view of several empires in present existence in the world. It gave me an insight into the manners, governments, and religions of different nations on earth. I heard of the slothful Asiatics, of the stupendous genius and mental activity of the Grecians, of the wars and the wonderful virtue of early Romans, of their subsequent degenerating, of the decline of that mighty empire, of chivalry, Christianity, and kings. I heard of the discovery of the American Hemisphere and wept over Sappy over the hip, hapless face, fate of its original inhabitants. These wonderful narrations inspired me with strange feelings. Was man indeed at once so powerful, so virtuous and magnificent, yet so vicious and base? He appeared at one time a mere scion of the evil principle, and in another as all that can be conceived of noble and godlike. To be a great and virtuous man appeared as the highest honor that can befall a sensitive being. To be base and vicious, as many on record have, have been, appeared the lowest degradation, a condition more abject than that of the blind mole or harmless worm. For a long time I could not conceive how one man could go forth to murder his fellow, or even why there were laws and governments. But when I heard details of vice and bloodshed, 
my wonder ceased and I turned away with disgust and loathing. For every conversation of the cottagers now, appear, now opened new wonders to me. While I listened to their introductions, which Felix bestowed upon the Arabian, the strange system of human society was explained to me. I heard of the divisions of property, of immense wealth, and squalid property, of rank, descent, and noble blood. The words introduced, induced me to turn towards myself. I learned that possessions most esteemed by your fellow creatures were high and unsullied descent united with riches. A man might be respected with only one of these advantages, but without either he was considered, except in the very rare instances, as a vagabond and a slave, doomed to waste his powers for the profits for the chosen few. And what was I of my creation and creator? I was absolutely ignorant, but I knew that I possessed no money, no friends, no kind of property. I was besides endued with a figure hideously deformed and loathsome. I was not even of the same nature as man. I was more agile than they, and could subsist upon a coarser diet. I bore the extremes of heat and cold with less injury to my frame. My stature far exceeded theirs. When I looked around, I saw and heard none of them like me. Was I then a monster, blot upon the earth, from which all men fled and all men disavowed? I cannot describe to you the agony of these reflections inflicted upon me. I tried to dispel them, but sorrow only increased with knowledge. Oh, that I had for a, a re remained in my native wood, nor known nor felt beyond sensation of hunger, thirst, and heat. Oh, of what a strange nature is knowledge. It clings to the mind when it has one seized on it like a lichen to the rock. I wish sometimes to shake off all thought and feeling, but I learn that there was but one means to overcome the sensation of pain, and that was death, a state from which I feared yet did not understand. I admired virtue and good feelings and loved the gentle manners and amiable qualities of my cottagers, but I was shut out from intercourse, shut out from intercourse with them, except through means which I obtained by stealth. When I was unseen and unknown, and which rather increased than satisfied the desire, I had becoming one of my own fellows. The gentle words of Agatha and the animated smiles of all the charming Arabian were not for me. The mild extortions of the old man and the lively conversation he of the loved Felix were not for me. Miserable, unhappy wretch. Other lessons were impressed upon me even more deeply. I heard of the difference of sexes and the birth and growth of children how the father dotted on the smiles of the infant and the lively sallies of other child, how all the life and cares of the mother were wrapped in the precious charge, how the mind of youth expanded and gained knowledge of brother, sister, and all the various relationships which bind one human being to another in mutual bonds. But where were my friends and relations? No father had watched my infant days. No mother had blessed me with smiles and caresses. Or if they had, all my past lice, all my past life was now a blot, a blind vacancy in which I distinguished nothing. From my earliest remembrance, I had been, and as I then was in height and proportion. I had never yet seen a being resembling who me, or who claimed my, my intercourse with me. What was I? The question again recurred to be answered only with groans. I will soon explain to what these feelings tended. But allow me now to return to the cottagers, whose story excited 
in me such various feelings of indignation, delight, and wonder, but which all terminated in additional love and reverence for my protectors. For so I loved, in an innocent, half-painful, self-deceit to call them. Ooh, what a good chapter that was, chapter 13. Makes you wonder what's going to happen next, what's going on in his mind. Makes you wonder. Well, I hope everybody had a good time in chapter 13. I know I did, telling an amazing tale from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I want to thank uh, you guys for having me here on the show on a frightful fret with Melisset. I had a good time reading chapter 13 for y'all. It was a good time doing it, keeping things smooth and bouncy. So I uh, hope you guys tune in for chapter 14. The story's just going to get better and better as we go. And uh, just drink some Michelob and champagne. Keep things smooth. If you want to follow me, I'm on Instagram at Captain Windbreaker. Check me out. I got some amazing tales. All true, I promise. Why would I lie? I'd be wasting everybody's time. So thanks for having me here on the show on The Frightful Fret. It's been a great honor. Goodbye, everybody. Good night. And keep things, keep things smooth. And have a good time. <laughs>